0: As most of you know, well, I, um, before I became the pastor of Prairie Bible Church, for many, many, many years, for over 30 years, I was a United Methodist pastor. In fact, I started at my, as a full-time pastor in um, about the same time in 1986. Same time of year, 1986. But in the spring of that year, I got a phone call from a guy named Weldon Whiteneck very strange name. I've always, I've never forgotten his name just because it's so strange. But um, Dr. Whiteneck was to become my district superintendent. He had called me in the spring, I think it was like in April of 1986. He called me he said, Craig, we've got a a parish for you to serve. He says, "Um, there's three churches that we want you to serve. And, um, you'll be the pastor, full-time pastor for them. Now, as you can imagine, three churches, being the pastor of three churches probably meant that none of the three were terribly substantial, and they weren't. In fact, um, even before I graduated from seminary that year, one of them had closed. It, they were averaging like 10 or 12 people, and they just decided, we're done. We're not even. So, uh, Dr. Whiteneck was in his probably mid 60s, maybe. He had gathered a lot of experience through the years in ministry. So when he called um, later in the spring to tell me that one of my three churches had died, he kind of anticipated my reaction would be something like this Man, did I get the short end of the stick, right? Now, I was really thinking that because one of my friends who, graduated, who was graduating from seminary the same time I was, he had been appointed to become the associate pastor at one of the largest churches in the state. And here I was appointed to three, now two little teeny churches out in the middle of nowhere, and it appeared like my major responsibility was just to help them die. And it just didn't seem fair. Well... Dr. Whiteneck thinking that I was thinking that, and he was right, he says this to me. He says, uh, Craig, you know, a lot, of, a lot of pastors use the Methodist system as a ladder to success. Well, let me give you a little piece of advice. Sometimes it's better to build your own ladder. In other words, if you will just fix your eyes on Jesus and work together with the two remaining churches, the people in the two remaining churches that that you have, um, you never know what might happen. God might do something awesome. Now I tell you that story this morning to set up part two of this sermon that I started preaching last week on destiny. If you are with us last week, you'll know that as we've been continuing our sermon series on Profiling God, which is a series intended to help us understand the nature of God, right? So that we can understand who God is and how God interacts in our lives. Well, one of the things I said last week is this. As a human being, one of the most important decisions you can make is to decide whether or not you will join God in pursuing the destiny that He has for you. Whether or not you believe in destiny or not doesn't matter because God does. And he believes in your destiny. And the most important, one of the most important decisions you'll ever make is deciding whether you will join him in pursuing it. So, will you? As you're pondering that question, let me uh, recap just a little bit of what we talked about last week in this part one of destiny. One of the things we talked about last week is that um, oftentimes, all of us have dreams or destinies. We dream about the future, what the future might look like, what our destiny might be. Um, and, but sometimes the, the, um, the talents or the abilities that we have don't measure up or don't kind of fit into the dream that we might have for what our future might be. For example, last week I told you I had a dream that I wanted to grow up to be a running back in the NFL, right? And I soon discovered that I didn't have the genetics to be a running back in the NFL. I wasn't going to ever be a running back in the NFL. But what happens if you have all the necessary ingredients or you think you have all the necessary ingredients to pursue your destiny, but your circumstance don't line up? What do you do then? There's a scripture that I, I wonder if you've ever read it. It's Romans chapter 9 verse 21. And it says this. It says, um, Who are we to say to the potter if he decides to make from the same lump of clay one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? Have you ever read that scripture? Romans 9 21. Who are we to say to the potter if he decides to make from the same lump of clay one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? Basically what God is saying there is I created the universe. I created you. So what I decide to do with you is my prerogative. That's what God is saying in that verse. I created you. So what I decide to do with you is my prerogative. Now I don't know about you I do not like that verse. I like to believe that we were all created equal. And in one sense we were, I suspect. Because I believe, I know, I don't suspect, I know. I know that God loves every single one of us. I know that, um, that we are valued, just like, just like Megan was saying here with that doll. No, we are valued by God. Every single one of us are valued by God. But not every single one of us are equal. Not every single one of us have been created by God with the same talents and the same abilities. And not every single one of us have the same opportunities or the same circumstance. For example, do you understand that simply because you are an American, you have opportunities that 99% of the rest of the world do not have? Do you understand that? You didn't mo- I don't know that there's a, a person here that did anything to deserve being born an American. But you have opportunities. You have the circumstance to become something that most of the rest of the world never has the opportunity to become. So, well, basically what that is saying to us is we have a choice to make. We can step back and we can just say, well, this is my lot in life. This, and accept the faith that has been dealt me or the destiny that's been dealt to me. Or... We can recognize that we have a choice. You can't do anything necessarily about your talents and abilities. You can can develop them, but you are given your talents and abilities by God. You may not be able to do anything about the circumstance that you find yourself in. But you have a choice as to what you will do with your circumstance, and I'll prove it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 11, says this. It says, no one can lay a foundation other than the one that has already been laid, which is Christ. But upon that foundation, you can build. Let me say that again just to make sure you heard this. No one can lay a foundation other than the one that has already been laid, which is Jesus. But upon that foundation, which is Jesus, you can build with things like gold and silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. And one day that which you have built will be brought out into the light of day. Now what does that mean? Now I don't know about you, but sometimes you read scripture and it's so, it's nice and it sounds kind of flowery and kind of poetic. But what does it mean? That verse of scripture there in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 is one of the most important passages of scripture you could possibly ever know. So you need to pay attention to this. What does it mean when he says that no one can lay a foundation other than the one that's already been laid, which is Jesus? It means just what I was talking about before. You, your greatest hope is Jesus. You have value because you belong to Jesus and he loves you. And because he is your foundation, you have hope. That's good. But upon that foundation, you build with the variety of different building materials, right? Some of the building materials have more value supposedly than others. But you get to decide. You have been blessed. You have been given. Every single one of us have been given this gift of a firm foundation which is Jesus. Every single one of us have been given a different set of, of materials upon which we get to build our lives, However, But we get to build. Which brings me back to my story that I was telling you about earlier. Um, I graduated from seminary. It was close, but I did. (laughs) And I was um, heading off to my first parish. These two little churches that were left, right? And um, I expect, this is what I expected. When I got there, I expected... Um, them to be disillusioned and dispirited because I kind of was. But what I discovered was that Dr. Whiteneck had had a conversation with them not unlike the conversation he had had with me. He said, listen you guys, you can fold up the tents and close the doors just like the other little church did or you can fix your eyes on Jesus choose to work together with this young pastor that I'm sending you. Yes, we know that he's only been a Christian for about five years. (laughs) But you never know. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Take what you've been given and God might do something awesome. Well, what I discovered when we got there was that they had decided to build something. Now, they didn't have much to work with. They were two little churches in rural Iowa. This is not an exaggeration. The two of them together maybe averaged 60 people. So that meant there was one that had like 25 people and the other one had 35. Okay, something like that. Did that add up to 60? Yeah. (laughs) And I think their their combined budgets was like $50,000. So $25,000 a piece for these two churches. And then they had me. (laughs) So didn't have much. But they decided they would build with what they had. And they realized that they had a choice. They could continue doing things the way they had always done them. Which had gotten them basically to the place where they were. Or they could choose to take a risk. Which... In some respects, it wasn't that big of a risk because they realized that if they didn't take a risk, they were going to close the doors anyway, right? And they started, so the, the, the risk that they took was to decide that they weren't going to do church for themselves anymore. They weren't going to be Christians that focused only on themselves. You see the, that other little church that I was telling you about? They, the reason why they closed was because there was someone in the church that was just that was helping to pay the bills to keep the doors open because they wanted to make sure that there was a place so that when they died they, they could be buried. And when that person died they closed the doors. Because it was all about them. So these two little churches that were left decided it's not going to be about us. We're going to do what we need to do to make it about Jesus and Jesus would have us make it be about the world. So they started changing things. And they didn't do things the way they wanted done. They did things in the way that they thought God wanted it done. And one of the gifts that they were given was a pastor who didn't grow up as a Christian. So I had no idea how it was supposed to be done. But I knew what non- Christian people would want would be attracted to so I'd ask stupid questions like well why do you do it that way and they'd go I don't know that happens all the time in church by the way why do we do it the way we do it? I don't know that's just the way we've always done it because I was so stupid and so naive I didn't know why and I, I, asked, I was dumb enough to ask the question and when we didn't have an answer to why we'd say well let's stop doing it and let's do this And they were gracious and kind enough to say, well, okay. And you know what happened? After less than three years, those two little churches out in the middle of nowhere had become the second fastest growing parish in the state of Iowa. They had doubled from 60 to 120. (laughs) Not much, I get that. That's not that big a deal, is it? Or is it? Yeah. So what, do, what can we learn from all this? From these scriptures and from that story? What is it that God, you think, would want us to learn from this? Well, I think it's pretty simple, actually. And this has to do with you individually and this has to do with us as a church. So listen closely. God has a destiny planned for you. But the cool thing is, this powerful and beautiful thing that is God says that our destiny, much of our destiny, has yet to be written. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, the decisions that you've made or not made at this particular point in your life, the, your destiny in large part has yet to be written. Isn't that exciting? And much of what is determined about what you will become individually from this day forward and what we will become corporately as the church, as Prairie Bible Church from this day forward is going to be determined by the decisions that we make from this day forward that is awesome and it's exciting and I can't wait for tomorrow really think when you think about it that way right because it's yet to be written because it in large part in some very beautiful and powerful and scary ways it depends on decisions that you make today that we will make today well I can't make those decisions for you and I wouldn't dream of it but I can make decisions for myself and I am deciding that I'm going to join God in pursuing my destiny whatever it might be from this day forward and I'm pretty convinced it's going to be awesome Not because I'm awesome, but because he's awesome. And wouldn't it be cool if we could together, as Prairie Bible Church, decide today that we're going to pursue God's destiny for us. That we would make the same decisions that those two little churches in rural Iowa and central Iowa made 30 some odd years ago. To not make it about themselves, but to make it about Jesus. And then to make it about the world. Because when we do that, you can't go wrong, no matter what the destiny is. And it will be awesome. No matter what it is. Because it's God's destiny for you. So, this is what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads. And we're going to pray together. If you're willing to join me in this, we're going to pray that God will make clear his destiny for us. We're going to covenant together to lay our will, our desires, and our wants at the foot of the cross and want what Jesus wants most of all, individually and as a church. And then we're going to look at every moment of every day with an excited expectation as we discover what God's destiny is for us. Lord Jesus, on this Father's Day, we thank you that you are the greatest God ever. We thank you that, that you, have, you have this destiny planned for us. And I thank you, Lord, that, that you have given us the privilege to get to make decisions in the midst of it as whether or not we will pursue it or deny it. Will we see our destiny rather as a plan or will we see it as our fate? Lord, I pray for each of these folks individually that, that no matter what decisions they've made up to this point in their lives that from today forward that they would make the decision to pursue their destiny in you and that they would look with excited expectation at every opportunity to live for you and I pray for us as a church, Jesus, I pray that as we lay all that we are at the, at the foot of the cross, we, I pray that you would, would do with us what you will, that you would take us on a wild ride. I remember the very first Sunday that I, was, that I had to preach before Prairie Bible Church, and I, I quoted that scripture, that it wasn't scripture, but it was, it, it was God-breathed, I believe, from my daughter that said, it's going to be wild, and it's going to be great it's going to be full of you that's what I believe our destiny together is because when we when we give it to you and we do it with you and for you nothing else could possibly happen it'll be wild and it'll be great and it may be unexpected but it'll be full of you so thank you Jesus we praise you in your holy name. Amen. Amen.